Hey, it's Nick here from Grayscale Gorilla. Before we get started with the podcast, I wanted to remind you that we are launching Grayscale Gorilla Plus any minute now. Head on over, learn more about it. And if you are looking at our training, we think you'll love Grayscale Gorilla Plus. Check it out at grayscalegorillaplus.com and also grayscalegorilla.com slash plus. You pick the URL. I love you either way. All right, let's get on with the show. Well, hello, and welcome to the Grayscale Gorilla podcast. Hope everyone's doing fine today. It's a sunny day here in Milford, Michigan. How are you guys doing? Is it sunny where you live? No. Oh, come on. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is like such an Eeyore thing. To say. <laughs> it's, so, it's so hot here. We, we just keep the windows closed, so I don't know what it's like outside. Oh, uh, yeah. You're probably living in a basement. Texas and Chicago represent... Yep. Yep. What uh, is it still like, like swampy, swampy style in Texas these days? Oh yeah, you're gonna have to, uh, you know, throw some uh, gold bond on those legs so you don't uh, chafe, <laughs> chafe away every skin. <laughs> uh, 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 thanks for painting such a vivid picture. Mike. You're welcome, y'all. For those, for those listening, that's Michael Maher in Texas and Chad Ashley in Chicago, Illinois. Thanks for coming on today, guys. We'll do the. Um, we got some news. We're going to talk about some uh, some software, some some fun stuff today. Uh, I figure we'll get started with the news. What's been going on? What's new in the th- in the 3D world these days? Well, I mean, if you just joined us on our last episode, you heard all about uh, Cinema 4D going subscription and all the options that you have with that. Um, but the things we didn't get to talk about were all the other announcements from Seagraph as well as what's happened since. So um, some some of the things we can talk about are the new indie licensing that uh, Autodesk is trying out for Maya and 3ds Max. And then I believe uh, Blender 2.8 is now available to the public, if I'm correct. That's amazing. Yeah, new stuff crazy. everywhere. Uh, now, t- um, do you guys know about all the new stuff in Blender? I've been catching it. YouTube's been trying to recommend that I watch some Blender videos, and I keep saying to YouTube, not right now, okay? But do you guys have like an overview of what all this fun new Blender stuff is? People seem really I pumped. Haven't, yeah, I mean, it seems like a good release. A lot of people are excited about it. I, I'm not really, I don't really follow too much Blender stuff, but yeah, I'm the same. Like it keeps trying to serve me stuff like pretty much constantly these days. But yeah, it's definitely, I'm keeping my eye on it. I think, um, I, I just think that it's really crazy how how incredibly powerful free tools have gotten. And then also just like how the price of entry has just dropped for like all this stuff. Yeah, it's it's, it's exciting. It's everywhere. I mean, with, with the Cinema 4D price drop, with, you know, Autodesk having indie licenses, Blender obviously being free, like it's so much more affordable for people to start hopping into 3D. Yeah, it's crazy. And I think that, um, yeah, I mean, I don't really know how much further it can go. It's interesting to think about and, and whether or not we've hit the the uh the lowest sort of like entry price or will will they find ways to make it even cheaper like how will that even work i don't know yeah you know so i think someone asked me at nab too or i'm sorry seagraph and they were asking like with all this new blender stuff you know what what does this mean for cinema 4d users what does it mean for like all this stuff like the fact that you could do this all for free where does where does that what does that mean for everybody? And I think for me, my response at the time, and I think I think it's still true, is there's going to be tools at all levels, but any competition is good competition for the end user, 
So if you have a, something like Blender come out and there's a ton of new awesome stuff that you could just go use for free, well, the the rest of the people that are charging need to step up their game. They're going to add more stuff. They're going to add, I don't know, better support. Maybe there's other things that they could do. I mean, this is the oldest thing in the book, right? Competition is good for the end user. And so as soon as you have all these other lower and lower prices, you have um, people like Blender stepping it up. They just got a huge grant as well to like add even more stuff to Blender. It's, it's at the end of the day, no matter where you are, it's going to mean cheaper prices and more capable software for everybody, which I think is great. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Everybody's a winner. Yeah, I agree with that. That's so much of the same thing that, you know, I've seen. So I don't know if anybody listening knows my background at all, but uh, I come from more of a traditional production background, a lot of video editing. And, you know, that that whole change has happened over the past past 10 years. And with 3D, you know, it's still been more expensive because you guys are still using really high-end computers and like the, the cost to get started is still really high but now once like premiere went subscription like with adobe creative cloud and especially with all the youtube stuff like everybody's a video editor now and i think you're really going to start seeing more of that in 3d where you're going to see more people just dabbling and experimenting and playing yeah i mean we've already i, I would say that that's already begun to some extent but yeah I, I agree i feel like it's just like uh what was it like um after effects became the new photoshop uh and will cinema 4d become the new after effects you know what i mean like in terms of like tools that just everybody's expected to know like ubiquitous tools Great. that you you should just know and i feel like for so many years 3d wasn't on that list because it was a very specialized thing like you mentioned it took expensive computers took a long time to learn and now with it's so easily uh readily available and cheap and faster computers all that sort of thing i do think that it's like one of those things that people are just going to expect you to have a pretty decent knowledge of 3d as either a designer a motion designer even an editor i think that's totally going to happen if not happening right now it's also like a mix of what you're going to need to know so it's like even if you are expecting to know cinema 4d for a job you know you're now going to need to know product rendering. You need to know even VFX stuff. You need to know motion design. You need to know like everything these days. Right. It's a little overwhelming. Yeah, we've been we've been seeing this for a while, right? Like, I, I mean, we all have some history in this business, and you're right. Like, I could get hired as just an After Effects person, and in fact, not even a good designer. I was just like an okay animator as an After Effects person. I think, and and just knowing one piece of software is is definitely like going away. Um, you're either working in a, a a team by yourself as a freelancer, and you need to know all this stuff, including billing software, and you know, um, like all the business side of it, plus all the all the design side of it. But even in a company where they have, um, you know, they hire a, a designer to come help them, they're going to need to know 2D, like you said too, Michael, like editing, uh, 2D animation, 3D animation, how they all come together, compositing, like a little bit of everything. And uh, it, you're right. It's just expected now that you know at least a little 3D. Um, so it's it's pretty crazy. And I, I know we it's actually leading into probably what we'll talk about later of like uh, all the software that surrounds us and the ones that we've been looking at. But what what else 
you know, what else do you think, you know, these indie licenses and the Blender stuff, what does all this stuff mean for like the current Cinema 4D user right now? That's a good question. I, I like I, I agree with what your initial statement was, which is competition is ultimately going to help the end user. And I think that's what we're going to see here. We're going to see companies looking to differentiate themselves from what's available in the free uh, open source uh, world. And I think that's going to be features, that's going to be speed, that's going to be support. They're just going to have to up their game. And uh, I think we're already seeing that with cinema and the improvements they've made since R19. I think they're definitely, with R20, they were like, okay, we see what's happening with Houdini, and a lot of people are hitting the limits of what we can do in cinema. Let's really focus in on on keeping those users happy and staying in cinema. So you see fields, you see all of these different improvements being made procedurally, uh, you know, for doing more procedural-based uh, animations and whatnot. And that's that's really what we're going to see more of, I think. I think we're going to see more of the tools that live somewhere in the middle of the complexity scale. I put cinema in that in that category that are going to have to really up their game on both ends on, on more of the beginner level stuff, making it very approachable, yet trying to keep it powerful enough to not lose the higher end artists, if that makes sense. Yeah. So what do you what do you what do you think about the compositing side of this? Because it's it's obvious that you get to a high enough level, you're going to look into Houdini or RealFlow or something that you know Cinema 40 can't do. But there also seems to be this this way of thinking that you need to composite and almost have a final render out of your 3D program, which is kind of a new thing that only you know GPU rendering and and faster computers allowed us to do. But where do you think that that will be a part of the future? Or are we still going to rely on getting out to a, a, a true quote compositing program or what, how do you see, how do you see all that playing out right now? Yeah, there's that whole side of it too, man. Like, cause you've got, uh, you've got after effects, fusion and nuke. Um, and with fusion being part of black magic, there's a free version that comes inside of resolve. So that's that even that's like becoming much more approachable. Like, uh, I remember back in the day, it's, I don't know, I don't know if the price is still accurate, but nuke, X, I think, used to cost about 10 grand. And so the price of entry for that was like really high. Like you were, that was that was a very expensive piece of software. And now with After Effects Creative Cloud uh, and Fusion being free for the, for the most part, or $300 if you want to, you know, get the, the standalone version, the price of entry on compositing has gone way down, way, way down, uh, with the exception, I think, of Nuke. I, I'd have to check their prices. I don't know if they've actually changed them recently, but... Feel free to yell at me in the comments if it's cheaper than that. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel like you're right. The whole landscape on that end has changed. We used to have to do so much cleanup and fix fixes and just try to tweak stuff in the comp because it just took so long to render. And not to say that like things don't still take a decent amount of time to render because you know they do. People, as with um, you know anything, the Moore's law thing that says like as your ability to uh, what's that? What's Moore's law thing again? It's like basically, if you basically if you have more time to, re to if your renders take shorter time, you're just going to turn up more knobs. 
and like you'll just end up killing all that time by just like turning up quality and all that stuff so yeah, yeah. i don't know who's i don't know whose law that is but that definitely applied to me it was like oh i have this machine it's eight times faster than my last machine does that mean all my renders are eight times faster hell no that means yeah. i'm turning on eight times more button <laughs> that's exactly it means i'm turning yeah, on dude. i got now man i got subsurface scattering on everything now baby let's go you got depth of field i got depth of field let's go there you go yeah so like and so basically what i what i was trying to get at is like yes you know the beauty render the beauty pass is a lot closer to final output i would say from the majority of people out there than it ever was before i think less and less people are doing like fully uh, multi-pass composited 3d render uh 3d renders and only because like you can get it really really close in the beauty and then just render out a bunch of mats so i don't think yeah i think that's an interesting thing too just to like see how the quality and the speed and all of these things becoming faster and more approachable uh ends up on the screen is basically uh it, it's better i think i mean i i'm talking to somebody on twitter about they're asking me about like camera like mo real smart motion blur and it's funny like how quickly real smart motion blur and uh lens care depth of field just completely left my tool set because i just never need to i never need to do vector motion blur and i never i'm always doing uh, depth of field in camera now, as well as the motion blur. So I just don't even use those things anymore. But two, three years ago, like you had to have that. Yeah, that's, that's definitely something I still have installed, still use the heck out of it, but less and less because of exactly that. Now I have a machine that can, that can do this, um, in way less time. So, right. yeah. So I wonder too, like Michael, you've seen this process you come from that more traditional background what are the what are the tools then and like uh software that you've seen where you used to be able to just know premiere be a great editor but then but then what 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 were clients starting to ask for it was it 2d after effects 3d what are those what what is that crew learning as well it's a little bit of everything like i think a big part of that mix that that we haven't even touched on yet is where you guys were just talking about the mix of say nuke and after effects there are still you know industry standards after effects very much more on the low end indie market and nuke like in major studio productions right that's still happening in the video editing world like a majority of television shows and like movies and things like that are cut on avid which has been like the standard for for decades now avid is still a very expensive piece of software and it's like archaically built into workflows so you know you're not going to see major studios switch into like cutting on premiere right away because they have so much dedicated you know time and money that they've spent building out these platforms for somebody to cut a show in LA and send it to somebody in New York, you know, when it gets to high end stuff, you're still going to see a mix of things. So like, I don't think, you know, after effects is going to hurt the nuke market. So I think the same thing's going to happen in 3d. It's like, what's, what's going to be that high end versus low end. And there's still going to be a mix of everything, but I, I I expect you'll still have to know a bunch of different software. Yeah, it's probably part of Cinema 4D's success, right? Is it was it's easy to use, and it's easy. Like if you're an After Effects person, it's not 
crazy to go open up cinema and with a couple tutorials. Well, look, we made a <laughs> we made a whole, whole business off of this. With a few tutorials, you're up and running with Cinema 4D if you just know some basic like timeline stuff and some basic like After Effects essentially. And so you, you end up with Cinema 4D kind of like in this middle you know middle ground where they're they're pr mostly really good for most things. And then I think what we're talking about too is like all the other little bits and pieces you you strap into it to make it an even more robust uh, cockpit, right? Like you're you're the the beginning of the video game, and you got your basic cockpit, and you just did your first race, and now they're giving you some money to like strap in better tires or whatever. And and that's how I feel like Cinema 4D is still the at the center core of um, most people's everyday workflow. But then they, as they progress through the game, they they strap on these other like additions and turbo boosters, and you know, I, I I don't know why I need to speak in analogies all the time. You know, there's there's third party renderers, and there's uh, Houdini, and there's a, like a compositing program, whether it's After Effects or Nuke. And so, what are these other you know things that that um, that are popping up these days. I know, I know, Chad, you've been using Substance a lot lately, working on the new material pack. So, like, what are, are you guys hearing anything else that is uh, the next turbo booster that we're strapping into cinema or, or just off to the side? Uh, I would say it's still, I still get a ton of people asking about Houdini and, uh, you know, hey, I'm learning Houdini. Are you ever going to learn Houdini? And I'm like, yeah, someday. Relax, all right? Get off my back. Uh, <laughs> hey, he's busy, guys. <laughs> all right? Just cut me some slack, dude. I've got enough stuff to learn. Uh, but yeah, I think that's a pretty big one. Substance is obviously, I think, fits so perfectly into a lot of people's workflow. Um, yeah, I mean, there's other third-party plugins, too, uh, that help people do what they need to do. Obviously, um, uh, there's like, I mean, this is more of an asset thing, but like Turbo Squid and other uh, Kit Bash type uh, offerings. But yeah, I think the one I hear the most about is probably um, Houdini and Substance. It's probably the one, the two that people are like, oh man, I really gotta, I gotta add that to my to my toolkit. What would you say are like the standards for? the like the current motion designer because from what i've seen is like with the youtube generation of we've been cutting on premiere now and we've learned after effects you know people in that area are much more likely to jump into cinema 4d now and learn more about 3d and like really up their game there but in terms of like the 3d artists already in the cinema space um are you still seeing like a you know, a bunch of people hopping to After Effects to comp or are they moving into Fusion or like what's what's kind of like the other stuff you guys are using a lot of in addition to cinema? Yeah, I, I've seen, I think After Effects is probably still the most widely used uh, for everything motion design in terms of like comping, doing titles, you know, basic, you know, motion design animation type stuff. I think it's still a huge, huge part of everyone's workflow. Uh, I think that I, I see less and less nuke uh, over the years, just because I think it's just. I could just be that I'm not exposed to the to the shops that really utilize it. That could very well be it, but it's also very expensive, 
And I think other people are realizing that, uh, that fusion is becoming a pretty good replacement for that tool. Um, but yeah, I think that, um, after effects is still like the most widely used copper for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm seeing that. It's like, I think there's like three major ones. You're getting into motion design and you're going to come across after effects. No brainer. You're going to have to learn that. And, and then you have a crossroads to pick there. You can go into, um, like the built in 3d stuff and play around in after effects or, uh, try like video copilot stuff. And like, to me kind of like just either get the taste for 3d while working in after effects or your clients are just asking you so much for it that you eventually go fine and then you start playing with probably cinema 4d and then there's really one other key piece of um software that like every motion designer just needs on their machine you may have to get a maybe an older machine to run this but kai's power goo is mm -hmm. really the the main thing. I want you to just make sure you have some Kai's power goo because you know what? Those clients are still asking for those effects. You need it. Truth. What's a what's a we need to eBay some Kai's power goo. Is that Dude, still I around? totally remember that stuff. And alien what was alien skin or something, right? Isn't that <laughs> another one? <laughs> oh man. Um uh, yeah geez. after effects in Cinema 4D for sure. And then and then, yeah, the, the next piece of the puzzle, it, yeah, it all depends on what your clients are asking for. It depends on um, the type of work you're doing. I think, honestly, at that point, and, and, and I know this is, this is a lot of what we do at Grayscale Gorilla, but it's why we make this stuff, is that I'm still hearing so many um, teams and small teams of one or two or three trying to get so much done and they're starting to start from scratch on every project. And I think that that's an incredible way to learn something. It's how I've learned something is like, if I can't do it from scratch, then I can't really prove it to myself that I know how to do it. However, once a client is asking you to do something, if you use, if you start from scratch, you're doing yourself and the client a disservice. So I think it's like, at that point, you're looking into plugins, um, assets, uh, trying to build your, your, your tool set that uh, of the toolbox that you already own and filling up those tool sets. Right. So, you know, HDRIs and models and, uh, lighting rigs, and even just rigs yourself, things that you've used over and over again as, uh, as an artist, like trying to, to build your own tool. Um, even if it's just something you've, you know, if you have a logo all the time, that is, that you use all the time, like put it in your content browser, those kind of things. So I think there's some, some learning at that point where you have to fill up your current toolboxes and really see how much you could do with, with cinema 4d before jumping into Houdini or before jumping into nuke or whatever. Um, and then at that point, it really, I think that the, the client sometimes dictates where you're going to go, whether you're going to start to be forced into Houdini or, you know, learning more compositing tricks or whatever that is. Does that make sense? Uh, it, that's that's yeah. kind of how I see like the progression of it. Yeah, and and I'll add that like I don't know if it's just me. It's not just me. I'm not even going to say that. I'm going to say it's definitely a fact. And that is, I think, new users, new artists coming up into the industry are more malleable and faster learning than any of us were, because they're coming up in an environment where they're just like it's just like, it's just part of their, it's part of their world, like learning new software. Yeah. Okay. I'll learn it. 
I'll learn it. I could learn that in a couple weeks, month, whatever. I hundred percent agree with that. Absolutely. And just like anything, any sport, any uh, anything like that, where new generations are pushing the boundaries and just like learning faster and just pushing the industry. I see that happening. Like just watching some of the uh, you know presentations uh, at the booths and stuff, and just like these 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 uh, artists that are just like yeah they're just soaking it all in because they just came up in this world where they've been using a computer since they were you know three years old and to them maybe they maybe they took programming uh in grade school i have no idea but the stuff they're doing i'm just like oh my gosh like that's insane like and it's 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 really wild to watch and and i'm happy because it's definitely pushing the industry forward i recently saw quite a bit of that so i I visited my old uh college just to see how their like uh you know film program was doing and it was so interesting to see one that they have way much like nicer cameras and stuff to use than I did when I was in school so that sucked but it's so (laughs) it's so true and you're talking about like you know the younger upcoming artists that you know we were only taught avid and now they have creative cloud installed on all the machines and everybody knows all of the programs. Like you have to know Photoshop, After Effects, Premiere, like you need to know how to work with everything. And I think that's also, you know, when we're talking about when you're trying to decide what software you're going to learn next, I think there's also that whole client mentality of, you know, if you're a freelancer and you're trying to get a job at a studio and you know, you're using cinema right now and are you going to try to go learn Blender or are you going to try to learn the thing that costs more money? Because if you even look at that from a filmmaking standpoint, back back when I was coming up, people were more impressed by how big your camera was. It didn't matter if you had the low-level stuff and you can do it all. There's, there is some kind of weird mentality of when you can start proving yourself that I know more of the expensive software and I know more of this. But when you can start combining all of that, are you going to start seeing like, what what's the software you're going to see on people's resumes right now? Like what, what's going to impress a studio to get them a job to work on something? Uh, definitely Kai's power goo, I guess. <laughs> Update your resume kids. I mean, Update you set me up for resume. that one, dude. Like that was like, you teed me up so perfectly. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I get that. And I think that obviously people should be, um, uh, cognizant of like what software the studios are using that they want to work at. And, and that should be the studio that they're aiming for, uh, or sorry, the software to learn, uh, that they should aim for. But yeah, I don't know. Like I, do people still put software on resumes? I haven't seen a resume in you, like you know, a long time. <laughs> you know, what's tough. And, and I, this is what I've seen. Let me know if this this um and let me know those of you listening too because you're out you're out in the in the um you know in the weeds making this stuff happen and but i have a sense that there's a lot of of young artists that are getting hired and we've heard these stories a lot but i I think there's more than even just the, the stories we've heard there's a lot of young artists out there getting hired at uh, not studios that have their own software and have their own way of doing it. And, and this is where you fit in and this is what you do and go to it. There's that, that is happening less and less. And more and more what is happening is that this artist is being hired because they know 3D. That's really all they're, they're looking at on the resume is like, you know how to do this 3D stuff? They go, yep. And they go, okay, we're going to sit you down and we're just going to have you do that. 
And then the, the, the client, which, which is less and less an actual client, it's more that they work at, uh, let's say they work at a, um, an actual business, right? Like, like every website out there has their own media team and every media team more and more is having this 3d person sit there. And then what's happening is their, their creative director, their boss is saying, Hey, do that 3d thing that I've seen on game of Thrones. <laughs> or do that 3D thing that I saw on Spider-Man because you're the 3D person. I'd hate do to that. be that 3D person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do the 3D thing that we just saw on on this Pixar movie. And and then they are stuck in this world where they have to explain, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. I know 3D, but you know, you know, hundreds of people, thousands of people sit to make you know half a second of this movie. Um and and you're asking me to to pull this off and there's this there's this like raw communication difference where they th- there's an unlimited amount of hours that 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 they think this 3D person has and they're getting asked to do more and more complex stuff because hey it's 3D and that education process is is uh, that education process Chad I, we've sat in these meetings when we've worked together in production that education process works when there's a producer there to explain it and there's the salesperson to make sure that we all are clear on what this is and and hey we could do spider-man but it's going to cost you this many millions of dollars right but when you're just somebody being hired and being asked to do more and more and they don't understand the the even just the the ability or the function and and then you have to stand up and say you have to stand up and say um I don't know how to do that. And now you look like you weren't hired the right way or like there's this miscommunication. So I, I guess yeah, you just described hell. Yeah. <laughs> like well, that would suck so bad. I'm hearing this. Right. And, and again, I'm reach kind of reaching out to the audience too. like, let us know if that, if that's you right now, like a drop us a comment. We, we want to give you a hug cause that's the worst, <laughs> but, but two, we're also, um, too is like we're also trying to figure out how to give you n- not just you know not just like an HDRI tool but also tools that you could use in your world that can like help you explain what you can do what you're available to do and give you more tools to say yeah I could do that but here's what it's going to cost like the amount of people I talk to and they're like yeah I'm still on this five-year-old machine because I can't convince my boss that I need this machine because I can't basically sell through that I need this and it'll speed up my work 10x or a new renderer, right? Like that's what I'm starting to hear more and more is like, of course they all want all the new renders, they want the new machines and they know that they could do much, much more with them, but they're stuck because they're not the one with the credit card. And 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 it's and when somebody like uh, Chad is your creative director, you can actually, they actually get it. They've seen they're your ally, but a lot of these people don't have a chat in their, in their, um, as their creative director, they might not have any creative director and they're just like struggling to, you know, make this happen for their boss and make them happy. I don't know. Like, does that, does that ring true to you guys or or am I just hearing the, the, like the worst of the worst stories? I mean, I think it's definitely something that happens for sure. I think that, um, uh, every, Every business, I think, has the, the people that work in, in the business that need something that they can't immediately justify or they can't quantify the value of it 
very clearly struggles with that problem. And even though you can sort of understand its value, whether it's a renderer or a piece of software, new computer, whatever, unless you can like actually communicate that need to your boss in a way that they understand using language that they understand, then you'll have a hard time selling that through. And, and I think that you're right. There's probably a lot of people out there so focused on the day to day, just like getting the work done that they can't even begin to strategize a way to ask their boss for help or ask their boss for this thing or that thing. So yeah, it's hard. And I've, I've, I've consulted and advised many artists that asked me that question, like, how do I convince my boss to do X or Y? And the answer is just really pretty simple. It's like, figure out what language they speak. Are they interested in saving time or saving money? Usually it's both, or usually it's one over the other. And if you can state your case and in, in any of those areas and say, well, I need this because it's going to save me this much time, make us this much more money. I'll have this much more time to do other work. And if you really line it up like that in, in a way that they can understand, you'll make a better case for yourself. There's no guarantee that they're going to, they're going to get you what you need, but it's better than saying, well, I need this because it looks cooler or yeah, I need this because the... <laughs> it's going it, to, you know what I mean? Like that's never going to convince them. Yeah. They're, cause, cause then the boss, if they get, if you have one, you know, someone that is not sympathetic at all to the, the creative side of things, they're going to say, it's your job to make it look better, dude. I hired you. You're a designer. I thought you said you could design. Why don't you make it look better for free? <laughs> <laughs> for What am I paying you for? Yeah. Why don't I just buy this software and I'll use it? And if you <laughs> and if, if it if it's if it's making as good a stuff as you claim, then you know what? I'll buy the software. I'll fire you, and then I'll be all set to go. So why don't we just do that? So dude, it, dude, it is like you're a terrible boss, man. Like that's awful. I know. Dude. But but you know what's what's interesting though is I. I I would consider myself kind of like halfway in between both worlds. I have, I, I have this business side of me and I have this creative side of me and I've got to like kind of expand and grow and learn on both sides. But when, when you guys have, I hope I do this, when you guys have a, a, a thing that we need to use and it's going to save time and it's going to, I'm staring at this Zencaster um, uh, interface right now. And it was a no-brainer to say, hey, there's this piece of software that records podcasts and it's easy to edit and it's got um, awesome sound effects and it's got awesome things. But yeah, so like... <laughs> Dude, I was so hoping you were going to hit I was just on standby. I, I, would, I would also point out that like, I think it's been solid because obviously Chad got a super maxed out PC and then Nick got a super maxed out PC, but... I don't know if I didn't get a maxed out PC, so I just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, you know, pushing, uh, pushing air. Are you doing, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, this is another tactic. It's the public shaming tactic. Are you, are you publicly asking for a new machine? We didn't do this live, but you know what? If, if the fact that, well, let, like, let's go through this. The fact that, um, like we, we put out Grayscale Gorilla Plus, we're working hard on it. Mike's been working extra hard on it and we would screen share and I would see his machine like slow immediately down. <laughs> and so like, let, but, but to, to, to kind of finish the point of it is, is Mike needing a new machine is at the cost of speeding up production of getting like the number one thing we've been working for over a year on 
is like such a no brainer for me as a business person. Like, so if, if, if Mike's machine, um, which I'm, which we're happy to get, I just, we need, I just needed you to bring it up six months ago. (laughs) (laughs) You can't see me, but I'm tipping my hat to you right now, Mike. This is brilliant. That's pretty good. I'll, uh, let me just, let me just go and start shopping real quick. No, I, I get that completely. This is this is something I've seen. So uh, in another past life, I managed a studio and I was very much like, you know, a mid-level guy. I, I ran an office in Texas, um, but we reported to headquarters in New York and we were creating a ton of content, uh, blog content, YouTube content, things like that with these really old machines. And I had to try to talk to the bosses in New York and explain to them, like, we need new cameras, we need new computers, like we need all of this stuff just to create content faster. And it was a really hard fight over months to get them to sign off. But once you really just take that time to like, we we actually screen recorded the process, which probably also helped slow the machines down. But we delivered this and said, this video just sat while we waited here because the computer took so long we need bigger machines. And, you know, months later we were finally upgraded the studio and now they're churning out stuff. They're still churning out videos nonstop. It's crazy. Yeah. When, when that, when that is, and this is all to, to, to help hopefully you listening there, like when you present it in the way, and I like how Chad said it, present it in the way that your, your creative director or boss or whoever's got the credit card that they think that, if it is really helpful, that it should be a, almost a no-brainer decision. And maybe we got to wait till this lines up, or maybe we got to get the budget for this or whatever. But if you can make it clear on, look, this renderer doesn't just speed me up twice as much; it speeds me up ten times as much, and I could get like more done, and it looks better too. That's like one of those no-brainer things. Now, the fact that you may have to switch to a computer and all that—that that we'll we'll figure that out later. But presenting it in that way, I think is there. So I don't know if we're way off topic on that, but I think that that's something that is another part of your tool set as a, as a designer on how to make sure that you have and get the gear and software and plugins that you need to get your best work done. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's a really an important lesson to learn over time. And whether you're working in a small company or by yourself, it's, it's, it's an important skill to have. Like I remember, gosh, when I think it was when I started at DK, they didn't have a render farm and I had to convince them that they needed a render farm. And that took about two or three years of just constant Hey, we need to do this. We need to do this. We're going to be able to get so much more work done. We're going to be able to actually turn jobs around overnight. We can actually do more jobs. And then uh, by the time I left, we had like, I think over a hundred nodes or something. And there wasn't anything that we couldn't iterate overnight on. And that transformed our, our ability uh, to, to, to make our clients happy. Like we could turn around changes. We could do giant aspect ratios and just that, convincing took a long time but then once they're over that hump and they understand like oh sometimes i need to make investment in infrastructure in order to do this work i get it and like then it's going to be a little easier the next time a little easier the next time i can't believe you got a renter farm i couldn't i can't believe i got a new computer <laughs> yeah dude <laughs> how about it mike is just like this podcast is great 
Look, no matter how much value this podcast has given you, listener, nobody's won today as much as, as Michael <laughs> with, the, with the new machine. Uh, no, I, you, you, you definitely need that thing, man. It, it was, I could hear your fans screaming every time we did a stream. I'm going to go ahead and order you the Chromebook right now, Mike. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> oh, right. Wow. All I mean, out. that's what, that's what you need. That comes with the power cord, right? Uh, oh, well, no, God, no. If, if you can make a case for it. <laughs> uh, you got wind turbines on there in Texas. Come on. <laughs> What are you worried about? Oh, that's great. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Well, get yourself um, a, uh, a a fully licensed version of Kai Power Tools while you're at it. <laughs> Throw it on there. And um, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think of old After Effects plugins that aren't around. But oh, man, uh, my, brains are, my brain's gone. Dude, yeah. They're used, they're, and they all had like the weirdest names, too. Uh, yeah, Kai's Power Goo was a big one. I'm a, it's, Zach's Works is still around, but that was one of those where I'm like, there's something there. I, I knew I wanted 3D, and so oh, Zach's Works was always on my... Oh, my God, yeah, dude. I used they to were that always on my radar. Yeah, see? Zach's Works actually made a bevel tool that I used when I was using Maya back in the day because it it actually had a really good text and logo beveling tool that you could export OBJs out of. And I I remember, Land, that thing was awesome back in the day. Oh man, we need a podcast where we just like we all come to the we all come to the show with like our top ten retro plugins, <laughs> and we take a stroll down memory lane and uh, just no. the old just the old man podcast. It's slowly turning in. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad you're here, Mike. Back in young, the day, younging it up a bit. Um, yeah. Well. Mike's uh, already on uh, AVA Direct. Uh, <laughs> he's I, gone. Like, he's clickety clacking ordering his like, new machine. Oh man, what can I get here? Hmm. Well, look, there's the ultimate tip today, folks. Write this one down. If you ever really need something, make sure your boss is in a public situation. <laughs> <laughs> and humiliate them with how slow it takes you to do stuff. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, well, <laughs> well. Uh, let's see here. Oh, good. I don't know if oh, it's good. internet or web. Mike, Mike's dropping in and out. So I think we should uh, wrap it up. It's been 40 minutes. So I think it's, I like to keep him under an hour. Uh, I was wondering I think... why he was so silent. Uh, well, um, unless there's anything else we missed. Um, thank you as always for listening. Uh, I know we dropped it at the beginning of the show. We talked a little bit about it here, but we've been working hard. Mike, you broke, we broke Mike's computer getting Grayskull Gorilla Plus up and ready to go. And we've already had a few people join us and start checking it out. Um, we've had a ton of incredible feedback already. We're really excited to do our official launch, which should be anytime now. But if you're listening to this, make sure you're on the list. Um, head on over to grayscalegorilla.com slash plus. Learn more about it. And, um, man, I'm just excited about all that stuff. And look, an episode like this kind of gets me thinking of, other stuff, other training that we need. So that all works out. Um, anyway, as always, please leave us a review. If you're listening uh, on iTunes, it always helps us get the word out about this thing. We're going to try uh, to keep, keep this rolling two weeks in a row. We can keep it. We can keep it going. What do you think? Yeah, we got it, man. We're on it. All right. Good to talk to you, Chad, as always. And Mike, uh, Mike, um, Mike's machine. Lit we, we literally broke Mike's machine on air. So let's yep. give us let's give ourselves a big high five and let's go get the credit card out, folks.